This is John Halsman, and welcome to the Patrick Henry Podcast, where we look at the performance of the West elite, how it's failing, what this means for us now and in the future. And today we look at the big picture of big pictures, how the pandemic, which is certainly the world historical event of the 21st century so far, how what's happened with the pandemic and particularly the U.S. government failures over the pandemic will fundamentally remake American politics moving ahead. Conrad Black's The Place to Begin, his wonderful biography of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Champion of Freedom. Uh, I strongly advise you to find it and read it. Authoritatively manages to revise our image of this most famous and important man. The interesting thing about Black's book is that in the days of presidential libraries now that the government funds the library and thus the public owns the presidential library of our modern presidents. But this only started after FDR. And so Black was able to buy up, in essence, Roosevelt's personal papers. And so Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Champion of Freedom, is the FDR biography because it provides a first-person account of what FDR actually said and did in specifics in a way no other book can. And uh, he takes advantage of this flaw in the system. Roosevelt was attacked at the time as being a socialist or revolutionary intent on remaking American society along Bolshevik lines. As a very wealthy New Yorker coming from a storied old Anglo-Dutch family, Roosevelt was told he was a traitor to his class, was the term of the time. But Black, in a revisionist way, instead sees Roosevelt for what he truly was, a great leader intent on saving capitalism from itself, from the great mistakes of the elite class. So rather than being a revolutionary in the guise of someone like Stalin, Mussolini, or Hitler intent in undoing his society, Roosevelt was critically a reformer intent on remaking his society and salvaging it from itself. But Roosevelt only had the chance to implement his New Deal programs because of a sea change that emerged in U.S. politics following on from the Great Depression. As FDR put it, the country needs, and unless I mistake its temper, the country demands bold, persistent experimentation to extricate itself from the economic calamity that had fallen it. As such, Roosevelt ushered in an era characterized by the unprecedented expansion of government into every phase of the American public's life. As the prior failed laissez-faire efforts of Herbert Hoover uh, had done precious little to assuage the country's economic suffering following on from the stock market crash of 1929. Although I'm a very much a small government Jeffersonian man, some government help was certainly necessary after the stock market crash of 1929, and the precedents for American government action at the center were very weak, with the exception of the founding of the country, the Federalists under Hamilton and Washington, and then Lincoln in the Civil War. Other than that, it had been a pretty hands-off affair, and the country needed more hands-on at the time. Roosevelt could only provide this because the old system had failed under Hoover in the four years following the stock market crash. FDR's ascendancy and the course correction in U.S. politics that followed on from it led the Democrats to take the White House five straight elections between 1932 and 52, with Roosevelt winning four and Truman won, and actually to triumph in seven of the nine. If you take out Eisenhower's 50s dominance, you have Kennedy and Johnson winning in the 60s. So because of Roosevelt's step change and what went on, because this amounted to a change in remaking American politics, the Democrats carried the presidency seven of nine times 
leading up to 1968. And this could never have happened without the fundamental alteration in U.S. politics, as Black argues, that occurred as a result of the Great Depression. Presently, I think we're at a step change again, because the glaring failures of the U.S. government in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic have me stipulating aloud that another such political sea change is upon us, but this time against government centralization, this time against the notion that government is helpful and rather is harmful. For the great confinement that we've all been through over the last two years with lockdowns that Americans have endured as the result of two years of failed government policy has obviously failed to work. Locking down the country, which let's remember was originally designed merely as a stopgap tactic in March 2020 to keep our imperiled health system afloat. I was totally in favor of that lockdown then and remain so now. In a new pandemic, to lock down a society as a tactic for three or four weeks so the healthcare can process what's coming makes eminent sense. But instead, this tactic became the strategy. This became the one-size-fits-all strategy for everything that followed. It morphed from being a short-term tactic to a long-term strategy. And this, of course, didn't manage to stop the spread of the virus. Obviously, it, it couldn't, nor prevent the tragically large number of deaths that followed. So as a strategy, it failed. As a tactic, for a couple weeks, that's fine. But as a strategy, this has been obviously a failure. At the very same time, Western governments blindly made this lockdown tactic into enduring one-size-fits-all policy. Whatever's happened since, lockdown, vaccine mandates, it's like a mantra, but it ignores the market differences in how age is the primary determinant of COVID outcomes. And I want to say this again because this has not been remarked upon enough. Age is the primary, overwhelmingly the primary reason that we have COVID outcomes, how old you are. It is better to be a 22-year-old unvaccinated person in terms of risk of hospitalization and death than it is to be a 65-year-old vaccinated person. So obviously there should be differences in what we do for age groups. I argued this in March 2020, and instead we've had this standard centralized big government, one-size-fits-all approach, which has taken the place of it, beyond the fact that we haven't even looked at the differing characteristics of the various strains of the virus. Omicron, which is largely highly transmissible, largely immune to vaccination, and far less lethal, is different than Delta, which isn't as transmissible, is far more lethal, and leads to far more hospitalization. Obviously, given these age differences and strain differences, we should have different policies, and that is eminently not what's happened. Instead, we've had the usual Bing government, one-size-fits-all approach, and this has done uncontested damage to Western economics. You cannot argue about all the side effects that have been blithely ignored into just now when the New York Times editors discovered they had children at long last. According to McKinsey, the global economy as a whole could suffer an incalculable $35 trillion in losses due to COVID by 2025. The Great Confinement failed in every respect to stop the spread of the virus or limit deaths as it morphed from a tactic to a strategy, even as it nobbled the world's economy. It's also without doubt that the billions of dollars of new U.S. government spending 
designed to compensate a workforce that's been artificially sent home for much of the past two years, has loosed the beast of inflation in America, which had been successfully chained for two whole generations by the heroic efforts of Paul Volcker, former chairman of the Fed, and Ronald Reagan. As former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, a Democrat, I might point out, presciently makes clear the U.S. government cannot increase new public spending by about 14 or 15 percent of GDP, which is what it's done under both Trump and Biden. And that not an effect economy running at just below pre-COVID-19 strength. So we've increased federal spending by 15 percent with an economy that's roughly the same size as it was before the crisis in the first place. This will inevitably lead to inflation. It is as simple and as devastating as that. So we've had endemic inflation as a result of this. The lockdowns have failed to work on their own terms when they became a strategy in terms of saving people from mass death, mass hospitalization, and mass transmissibility. This has failed. The social costs of this one-size-fits-all lockdown are also becoming clearer, and they're equally devastating. In terms of individual liberty, Western governments fundamentally misunderstanding the basic Lockean nature of representative democracy, that an individual's basic rights come from nature and not from the state. I don't know why anybody, do we not teach this anymore at school because this Locke is a dead white male? That Locke, which is the basis of every Western representative system, says rights come from God or nature are inalienable to the person and do not come from the state. And yet, under COVID, the system has been turned back to front. Only if an individual did as the government demanded were they deemed somehow worthy of their rights as citizens, that your rights, in effect, were earned by the state as school teacher, as school marm, telling you you've behaved well, so we will give you your rights. This is exactly back to front with modern representative government and as a form of technocratic tyranny. The Supreme Court has seen off the worst aspects of Biden's vaccine mandates, thank heaven, in terms of its overreach, but there can be no doubt that the American governing class believed anyone not entirely swallowing the panicky, often wrong, and ever-changing pronouncements of Dr. Fauci was somehow less of an American. If you didn't agree with Dr. Fauci, who's held every position on every major health care issue, you are somehow less of an American. In other words, shut up and do what we say, and we'll give you your rights if you're good little boys and girls. This should be anathema to every free citizen in the world. And yet that's what's happened under COVID. At the same time the U.S. government was becoming more authoritarian, it was becoming less competent. There's been a huge upsurge in violent crime throughout the nation over the last few years. While the American teachers unions have shamefully emerged as the villain of the pandemic, collectively looking for any excuse to manage hard-pressed parents' homeschooling rather than actually doing their jobs. I have been a teacher. I have been a professor a couple times early on in my career. There is no harder job than properly teaching people. But the American teachers unions decided they liked sitting at home. They liked managing parents teaching their kids and then directing them from afar rather than actually teaching their kids in person. We are social animals. Of course we don't learn as well with long distance learning. Otherwise, universities would not have been created and would not have existed for hundreds of years. We are social creatures who learn best face to face. 
Far easier for the teachers' unions to sit abroad watching box sets while the parents do the homeschooling and then grade the parents' teaching. And that's what's happened. Is it any wonder that homeschooling rates in America have doubled over the last two years? This is a vote of no confidence about teachers who are teaching things parents have discovered to their horror, like critical race theory, which parents don't like, but aren't teaching much at all. What these kids know is nothing. It's extraordinary to me. I have five bright children in my life, and yet none of them knows a tenth of what I knew when I was their age. It's not because I'm so awesome or they're so stupid. It's because they're not being properly taught, and everyone knows this. Everyone who's been around kids for about five minutes recently knows that no amount of the great inflation to come, and that's going to be the way out of this. Everybody gets an A, and so we can, this somehow will obscure the painful reality that we adults have morally failed the next generation, and this is part of the price of COVID. We have morally failed the next generation, and that both socially and in terms of actual learning, they are years behind and may never catch up. We will be paying for this for decades. And indeed, what people will remember above all else from this world historical crisis is not the COVID-19 tragedy itself, horrible as it's been. Rather, above everything, they will recount the utter ineptitude and fecklessness of a governing elite who made a terrible situation far worse. In thinking that they knew better, our governing elite have failed over COVID itself, over its own terms, by taking lockdowns, which are a useful tactic initially, and making it the ongoing strategy, a one-size-fits-all strategy, in the face of any differentiation in age, which is the basis of the virus, the characteristic of COVID-19 above all else, and even the different variants. Omicron sure isn't Delta. They've ignored all that, and as a result, the death rate and the hospitalization rate have not been kept to a bare minimum. So they failed on their own terms. They failed economically. They've loosed the beast of inflation. They failed about becoming far more authoritarian, shut up and do what we say. We're the ones who decide if you get rights or not. Failed over crime and failed over education. Of course, there's going to be a gigantic political blowback to this. The governorship in Virginia is just the tip of a massive iceberg. The 2022 midterms will surely lead to large anti-establishment Republican gains. But if I'm right, what is coming is far more than this. There may well be a political watershed to come because these fundamental, colossal failures that Americans have to deal with day upon day upon day will lead to another FDR-like sea change, in this case, back toward the notion of individual liberty and away from the U.S. left-leaning elite, which sure isn't going to like what's coming. But the thing about life, you, you tend to reap what you sow. And in this case, what the elite have reaped through failing over the pandemic, the seminal issue of their time, surely will lead to a sea change remaking American politics. Hopefully along the way, we, discover our, we rediscover our Lockean individual liberties and do not hand them to people who remind me of nothing so much as a Graham Greene novel. They're both authoritarian and corrupt and inept. And that is not a good world to live in. We surely, and for our children, must do better. Thanks very much for listening. Happy to get that one off my chest. I think it's important to begin to look at the political aspects of the pandemic, 
For those of you who like this, please do subscribe. We are honored so many of you have. And for those of you who have subscribed again, I'm about to have my famous cup of coffee for $70 a year, $7 a month, $70 a year, we can continue to put out what is now our local newspaper to the world. On Mondays, we are going to deal with the book serialization. At the moment, we're deep into the Godfather Doctrine. On Tuesdays, we are going to have the Culture Column, which has been great so far. We've done one on Hemingway and the Beatles. I think the next one is on Monica Vitti, who just died this last week, and the cinema of Michelangelo Antonioni, avant-garde cinema. It should be good fun. Um, on Wednesdays, we do Around the World in 20 Minutes, our look at the foreign policy uh, confusions of the day. Thursday, of course, belongs to my friend J.L. Ryder, who writes on The Society. And Friday, we have the Patrick Henry podcast from now, but we're formulating a new approach for Friday when another great friend of mine, another writer, will make us truly a local newspaper to the world. Please do give $70 so we can, can continue to do this and expand as we are so happily, because we're offering you something new, different, creative, hopefully enlightening, and always fun. Thanks very much.